0: begin today the Gemara on Kovdalud Amut Base, two uh, lines from the bottom of the Yamut. The Gemara here is discussing the opinion of Rabbi Kiva, and this is in connection to what it said before in the Gemara. So first, Rabbi Kiva in the Mishnah said that when a person does halitza and he skipped the, the part, she, she is skipped doing the spitting, right? There's three parts of halitza. You have to read the psukim that have to be said. Then she has to remove his shoe, and there's also spitting that she has to spit in front of him. So Rabbi Kiva said, if you didn't spit, so then the chalitza is still going to be kosher. That's not, it's not going to prevent the chalitza from taking effect. That's what Rabbi Kiva said in the Mishnah. Then the Gemara here discussed another point. Chalitza accomplishes two different things. First of all, obviously the point of chalitza is to be mad to her, to go marry to anybody she wants. But there's another point that happens when chalitza is done. Once chalitza is done, she may not now go back to any of the brothers to get married to them. Kibun Sholei the Gemara before, brought the Psukim. But once, once she did not do Yibun with them, rather she did Chalitzeh, that now does not allow her to go back to any of the brothers. Now these two things are not necessarily connected. As we'll see in the Gemara today, in order for Khalitza to work, to be matter, to get married, Lashuk, to anybody, it has to be a kosher Chalitzeh. But even a of <laughs> will have the effect that she'll be, n- not be allowed to go back to get married to any of the brothers. So the Gemara before said that it was brought, it was sent uh, to the father of Shmuel, just a moment, let me just see the Lashon of the Gemara before, it was sent to the father of Shmuel, that a Yevameh that just spit in front of her yavam without doing anything else, that alone will not allow her to get married to anybody else, but because it is, she won't be allowed to go get married to any of the brothers. And the Gemara before said, this can't be true according to Rabbi Kiva. Because Rabbi Kiva says that the whole spitting is insignificant. Even when you do the actual chalitza to be matter to get married to anybody else, if you skip the part of the spitting, she's still mutter to get married to anybody else. That just proves how insignificant it is. See, if so, this can't be according to Rabbi Kiva, that just the spitting alone would pass her to go back to any of the brothers. But here, the Gemara will bring a braise where you clearly see that Rabbi Kiva does hold of this. Can, can it be true that what we said before, that Rabbi Kiva holds, that that just the spitting alone, if Yavam spits in front of the Yavam, that this will not pass her to go back to get married to any of the brothers. This can't be, because Vatanya we learned in the Braysa as follows, if she removed the shoe, but she did not spit in front of the Yavam, and she didn't say the psukim that are to be said as well, just the removing of the shoe, the chalitza is kasha. So when it says ksheda, that means it's totally kasha, she can go get married to whoever she wants. If she spit in front of the yavam, she did not remove the shoe and she did not say the psukim, then the chalitza is pasul. So as the Gemara is soon going to explain, what does it mean the chalitza is puzzle? Chalitza is puzzle means that she cannot go get married to whoever she wants, but a puzzle of does now puzzle her of going back to, to getting married to any of these brothers. But If she just said the psukim, but she did not spit in front of him, and she did not remove his shoe, there's nothing to pay attention to. It's nothing. Not she can get married to anybody else, and not she becomes possible to go back to the brothers. Nothing. That's the b'raise. So here in this b'raise it clearly says that just by spitting alone, it passels her to go back to her brothers. So Mani, who's the who's Tanah speaking here in this b'risa? Are you going to say that it's the opinion of Rabbi Yezer? So what does Rabbi Yezer hold? In our Mishnah, we learned that Rabbi Yezer says that in order for the Chalitza to work, you have to have both the Chalitza and the Rikika. You have to remove the shoe and spit as well. So what did it say over here in this b'risa? So it said, just removing the shoe without spitting and without reading the psukim, the chalitza is kasha, So there can't be Rabli Yezeh. Because before in the Mishnah, Rabli said, that we learn from the Pasek, that anything that's an action, that's part of the chalitza, prevents it from taking effect. So the spitting is an action, the removing the shoe is an action, and you must do both. So from the first line of this b'raisa, we know that this b'raisa is not Rabli this b'risa that says, even without spitting, the chalitza is kosher. It must be Rav that sets so on the Mishnah. The katani, and what did it say in the second part of this b'risa? If she only spit in front of the Yovah, and she did not remove the shoe, she did not read any of the psukim, that the chalitza would be posel. So what does this statement of chalitza sapsulah mean? Laman, for whom? For what sake is it possible? if it's coming to say that it's possible that she can't go get married to whoever she wants. Pshita, that would be obvious. Just by spitting alone what I think that the chalitza is good, she's she's missing the main component of the chalitza, to remove the shoe. The Braiths wouldn't have to say that to me. The main point that the Braiths was saying is that the chalitza is possible in the sense that it still puzzles her of going back to getting married to any of the brothers. True, she can't get married to anybody else, but it's called a posel of chalitza, and she can't go get married to any of the brothers. Rashi over here brings from the Gemara and Gitten, that this is a cloud, benigeya to chalitza, and benigeya to a get as well. Whenever the Tana uses the term chalitza psula, it means that she's possible to get married to one of the brothers. And it's similar by a get. Whenever the Mishnah uses the term that the get is posel, it means that the get didn't take effect. she's not allowed to get married to whoever she wants, but she'll be puzzled to get married to a koyin through this get. When it says in the mission of that the get is bottle, or similar to what it says here, kam base michush, so then the chalitza has zero effect. Or by a get, if it says that the get is bottle, that means that the get will have zero effect. But if he uses the term puzzle, puzzle means it wasn't matter to her, but it did have a certain effect that she'll be puzzled to a koyin. And here as well she'll be puzzled to go back to the brothers. She's always positive for huh? But, yeah, she's always positive for but if the get didn't take effect, and then later her husband dies, and she is only an almana, oh. so she should be allowed to get married to the Kayin. But because she had a possible get, she'll be asked to get married to the Kayin. Okay, so this is a, so this must be Kiva. So what happens? So it comes out of here. Shma'mi no? So we see over here clearly that even according to Rabakive, <coughs> a yavam that just spits in front of the yavam, it passes her to get married to the yavam. So what's the difference? Why? If she only spit in front of the Yavam, so that uh, passes of getting married to one of the brothers, but if she only said the Psukim and she did not spit, so then I say it is not pass to the brothers. What's the difference? So now, this whole thing that if she only spits, she can't get married to any of the brothers, it's a with the Really, the minateyre, the chalitza, didn't take effect. The she should because she did a part of the chalitza. she shouldn't go back to get married to any of the brothers. So if they make that gzayre by this part, by the rikike, so why, what, why don't they say the same thing if she just said a psukim in front of him, so she did a part of the chalitza, that should also pass on her. So the one explains it's not the same thing. When it comes to saying the psukim, the the psukim that are said, there are some psukim that have to be read before the chalitza, before the shoe is removed, and there are some psukim that are said afterwards. So people will not confuse this with a proper chalitza. When people see that the psukim are said, and there's no shoe that's being removed. People will notice that this is not a proper chalitzah because the psukim is said before and after. People will realize that no shoe was removed over here because they, they see that there's nothing else that happened besides these psukim. However, the kike. The betchila lase ulubisaif isa when it comes to this that the yavama spits in front of the yavam, so you don't spit before you remove the shoe. You only spit afterwards. Mechlofala. <laughs> this is something people might confuse with a regular chalitza. So when people see that she spit, people won't know what happened before, and people might think she probably already removed the shoe before, and now she's just doing the other part of spitting in front of him. And therefore, So they'll see, So they'll see that she spit in front of her yavama. And uh, yavam, that is, and afterwards she went and got married to him or to any of the brothers. So they might confuse this with a proper chalitza and say that even with a proper chalitza, you can still get married, get married to one of the brothers. So therefore by Rikike, just by spitting alone, Chachamu Ogoizah, she shouldn't get married to any of the brothers. Amri, now there are others that said, This is what was sent to the father of Shmuel. This was all a continuation from the Gemara before where it was sent to the father of Shmuel, that if the yavamah just spit in front of the Yavam, she's possible to get married to any other brothers. But now nah, there's another version of what exactly the Halacha was that was sent to the father of Shmuel. And the Halacha was as follows, Yavame she rakika tachloitz, that a yavamah that spit in front of her Yavam, she, so now all she has to do is remove his shoe, vein she doesn't have to go and remove his shoe a second time. Usually what's the say there of the Chalitza? First she removes the shoe and then she spits in front of him. What happens if she did it in the other way around? She first spit in front of him and she didn't remove the shoe yet. All she has to do now is remove his shoe. She does not have to spit again in front of him. And the Gemara brings an incident, a story where this happened. Ki ahi, like this story that happened, the Asiya or Ahi uh, Yevamid the Bach says, the Asiya de A came in front of Rabbami was sitting there in front of Ravami. She had already spit in front of her Yavam before she removed the shoe. Rabami said to her, allow her to remove the shoe from you and And then the whole story will be over. The whole uh, tigra means like the whole business here will be done. It'll, it'll huh? finish her business. Yeah, finish her business, it'll all be done. Even though she spit before and only afterwards she's removing the shoe, it's fine. Amli um, Rababe, says, no, she has to spit again afterwards. So he said, no, she spit it ready before. So she, so he said, let her spit again to do it in the right order. Why, why would it matter to you if she let her, let her just spit again so it's done in the right way? So he said, No, I don't want her to spit again, because nofik minei khurba. This could bring a big mistake people will make here. The if, if you're going to say that she should spit again, so amri people will say, So then people will say that the first time that she spit is, is nothing, is worthless. And then something that's similar to this, that people could confuse with this case, people will come and say that she should be permitted to go back to getting married to any of the brothers when it's not allowed. So it has to be clear to people that even just the spitting alone in the beginning already has an effect. Like we said before, there's exayda that even spitting alone asks her from going back to the brothers. So we see here in the story that, in, that if it's done with the spitting before, that the chalitza takes effect. So the Gemara now asks, "What Don't we need the chalitza to be done in the right order? First remove the shoe and then she spits in front of him. It says the Gemara, no, loima akfa but doing it in this order does not prevent the chalitza of taking effect now the kamat so uh, rab, rab, rab Ababa Momol, so he thought that rab Ami was just pushing him off when he was telling him don't worry the say it doesn't matter and you could just take off the shoe and just let her go so he thought he was stamp pushing him off. But then nofak, dok, he went out and looked and found a b'raise that clearly says this. The tanya, it says in the b'raise. Be'en shehiktem chalitza le whether the chalitza, the removing of the shoe was done before she spit. Be'en shehiktem rekike le chalitza or she spit before she removed the shoe. Masha Asa. osa. What's done is done. And the, 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 the Seder is not ma'akiv. Agamara brings now another story here in connection to this, where this was one of the questions that was asked. Le'vi nofak le Levi went out to the villages. And Bo and Mine and people there, Mino, people asked them the following questions. First question was, A woman that, God forbid, her hands are are amputated. She doesn't have hands and she has to remove the shoe. But she can't use her hands to remove the shoe. So could she do chalitza? A yuvame that when she spits, instead of it coming out saliva, it was blood that came out of her mouth. Mahu. Is that take effect? Is that good? Is the spitting good? And then there was another posik that they asked him about. There's a posik that says, I will tell you what has been marked down and it's being, what's being written is true. This refers to what the, 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 Daniel, what he sees L-Milo, what he sees by the there, I'll tell you what I see marked down as true. So what they asked him was, What It seems is that there are things that Ebeshter marks down that are not true. Could you say that? Is there something in the Abisha by the Abisha that's not true? So these are the three questions that they asked Levi when he went out to visit people, when he went out in the villages. So he didn't have what to answer for these three questions. He came and asked him these questions. They answered him and they said, first regarding the first question, a woman that doesn't have hands to remove the shoe. Does it says in the Torah, that she should remove the shoe from the Yavam by hand. It doesn't say biyat, So she can do it even with her teeth, in any other way that she is able to remove the shoe without hands. Does it say that when she spits, that it has to be saliva? Whatever comes out of her mouth, even if it's blood. And then regarding the Pasuk, that it says that I'll see what's written by the Ebishter that's true. Is this something that's not truthful? So as Rashi explains, what this means is, when the Ebishter writes something, when the Ebishter decrees something, truthful means that it, once he decrees it, he does not change, he will follow through with his decree. But there are some things that the writes that are not truthful in the sense that the doesn't necessarily follow through with it. So what, what is that? What does this mean? So they explain to him, like there's no question here. When the should decrees something and he also swears by it that he will fulfill it. So that's something that he will not change. But if there's a decree that does not come along with a that's something that's not truthful, so to speak, because the Ebusha could change this. As Rav Shmuel Barami said, If the Ebusha decrees and it comes along with the Ebusha swearing in this, So this is a xardin that could not get torn. Shanemah, as it says, when the children of Eli misbehaved in the Besam Mikdash, and Abisha the over there made a decree on them. So, there it says that Abisha swore for the children of Eli, In I will never forgive the children of Eli with any carbon forever. So, over there it was with a Shvuah. And that's a Gezerah that Abisha does not take back. So, But nevertheless, the Gemara says on this, even on this, such a kind of exayda, that comes along with a miskaper. if you look in the Pasik, it actually gives a, a certain limitation. It says, no matter how many karbonis they'll bring, the says, I will not forgive them. But through learning teira, the descendants of Eili could bring a kapara. And the Gemara now brings... Or another opinion here, the Gemara brings Abaya Ma Bezevoch Bumincha Inemuskaper with Kerbonos they will not be forgiven. Avo Avemuskaper beGimulus Chassadim by doing Gimulus Chassadim even a Gzeira that's so strong together with a Shvuah will be forgiven. And here the Gemara says Rabe and Abaya Mibidebei Seili Kasso Rabe and Abaya both came from the house of Eli. Rabe Dasek B'Teira Rabe learned Teira Chayar Bonshnin so he lived for forty years. Abaya, the Osak, the Tayrah, Ubi Gmelaz Chasadim. Abaya both occupied his time with learning Taira and Gmelaz Chasadim, Chaya Shitnishnim. So he lived for 60 years. So even though they were descendants of alien, there was exait on them not to live, but nevertheless, through the Tayra and Gmelaz Chasadim, they lived. We had this exact same Gemara before, if you remember in Rosh Hashanah, I believe it was. Right to here, this is a continuation of the Gemara that we learned before. <speaking in Hebrew> there was a family in Yerushalayim <speaking> in <Hebrew> Their children would pass away at about the age of eighteen. <speaking in Hebrew> they came and notified Rabbi <Hebrew> about this. <speaking in Hebrew> so he said to them, <speaking in Hebrew> "Maybe you are descendants of the house of Eli." <speaking in Hebrew> it says, <speaking in Hebrew> that all the people that are born from this house, they will they will pass away. So he gave them the advice, similar to what we said before. Go and occupy yourself in learning Tayre, and you'll live. They went and they learned Tayre, and the Tayre gave them life. Because they got life through Rab Yechanim that became the nickname of this family. They were called the family of Yechanim. From where do we see that there, when there's a decree upon a whole tzibur, that it does not get sealed. And therefore it could always be re- removed. In fact, the gemara is the truth that it doesn't get sealed. But vaksiv, there's a pasik where it speaks about a gzardin for a tzibur. And it says there, Even if you'll try to wash off this gzeda with different kinds of cleaning agents, with soap and so on, nechtam the stain of the avera remains. And this is speaking even about a tzibur, lefonai, in front of the heberstern. Elo, so re- therefore the Gemara says, Minayin shafilin nechtam, even though it was already sealed, and the gzeda is very strong, but nevertheless, miskareya, when the Tzibur will dive into the they can tear this gzardin, even though the stain remains, but they can, they can tear this whole, this whole gzeda. Shanema, because there's one Pasek where it says, Mi kashem How great is our Ebishter, when we call out to him. Which, so, so which means, anytime, time you call to the Ebishter, the Ebishter is so great, and he listens. Then, but the question is, Vak 7, another postic, it says, Dear Shashem, seek out Only at certain times when he's available, when he's found for you. So what does this mean? Is it always the only certain times? The answer is, it's not a question, if you're davening alone, so then there's only certain times when the Ebishter is available. But if you daven with a tzibor, and there's a gzeda on the tzibor, and they daven, so then the Ebishter always answers. And that's from here we see that even a gzeda that comes upon a tzibor that's been sealed, the Ebishter will tear it if they daven to the Ebishter. So the Gemara continues, Yochid Amos. So when is that time when De'Vishter is available even for a Yochid when he d'Avons to De'Vishter? Omer Baravua, Asar The ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yim Kippur, Asar then that a Yochid has the Koyach like a tzibur. So the Re- we had the same Gemara on Rosh Hashanah. The Shoshana? the is Re- medayik is this thing. A sata There are ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There are no ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's only seven days. Right? There's two days of Rosh Hashanah and one day Yom Kippur. But the Gemara means that the ten days really include Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur itself. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are obviously a yomtiv for themselves and they have their own inyan. But besides that, they are also part of the ten days. That's what the Gemara uses the ten days. Going back to the alacha we learned before regarding the rakika, the spitting of a yavama the following Allah was sent to the father of Shmuel. Uh, Yuvameh Sharaka that spit and what she spit was blood, tahit. So she can do this, the Khalitze, she can remove the shoe, so the Khalith will take effect. Even if what she spit was blood, but it has some saliva that's mixed in as well. Anytime a person spits, there has to be some saliva there. So the Gemara asks on this: Is that true? Because we learned as follows: I would think. We're talking about a person that's tomme, is a zav. So I would think that if blood comes out of his mouth, or on pia, ama, or when he urinates, instead it comes out blood, tameh. So I would think that that blood that comes out of his mouth is tameh. So by a zav, so the saliva and the regular liquids that come out of his mouth, so those things cause tumah. So, but if blood comes out of his mouth, so I would think maybe that would be tommy as well. Only the regular flow that comes from the source, from the person. That's tommy. But but blood that comes out is not going to be tommy. It's going to be toy. So what do you see over here? That the blood that comes out is not going to be tommy. That's the Gemara. It's not a question. Over here it's How do they translate over there the word tommy? sucks blood. When there's yeah, when there's blood that's being sucked out from this person, so then it could be only blood alone. And oh, sorry, then sorry, then there's uh, the blood when she sucks and she spits out in such a way. So then the blood has to have some saliva as well. Kam says, here, if it's just like dripping out, if it's dripping out, not necessarily does it have any saliva in it. Going back to what it said in the Mishnah, So in the Mishnah it said a Cheresh, a a person that's deaf mute, and the chalitza was done for him. So the Mishnah said that the chalitza is puzzel. So again, to remind you what we just learned before, whenever the Mishnah uses the term puzzel, it means that the chalitza did not take effect; that she should not be mutter to everybody else. But it does have the effect that she's asked to go back to get to do yibum for any of the brothers. So on this, some of you don't have Zudivri says <laughs> that this chalitza is puzzel. Chachamim say not Puzzle Much more than that, ain chalitza is cotton klum. It's nothing. It's totally insignificant. Mm-hmm. Not, it doesn't even puzzle her to go back to the brothers. Kitana shecholza. The Mishnah says a kitana that the did chalitza. So over here it's, it's said in the Mishnah that this chalitza did not take effect. It's puzzle. And then when she becomes a gadayla she'll do Khalitsa again. So Zudivri Rav This is the opinion of Rav Meyer that not only does the Yavam have to be a gadayla, but the Yavama as well has to be a gadayla. The Omar, so Rav Meir said, ish kasev parsha, and the parsha of chalitza, the Tanya uses the term ish. It says, "I'm ish. And, ish, We compare the woman to the man, just like he has to be a gadol, she has to be a gadolah. Avachamim, laimim, chachamim say, ish kasev parsha. Uh, uh, again, avachamim, yeah, ish kasev be parsha. But regarding the man, it says ish, but isha regarding the woman, ben gadolah ben ketana. It doesn't say the term isha. So she can be a G'dayla or a Katana and she could do the Chalitza. Who are these Chachamim that say that she does not have to be a G'dayla? It says the Gemara Rabbi Yaisihi. It's Rabbi Yaisihi. As we'll see here in the following story and the Gemara brings a very interesting story that uh, in, in, along the way we'll see here this Halacha of That Rabbi Rabbi was sitting and they were discussing things. So one of them began and said as follows. Person, when he davens, sheyiten einov la So with his eyes, he should pay attention and look below, look down. So Rashi says the psharan this is, person that's davening should look down to the land that he's davening in, which is Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because the shchinne is in Eretz Yisrael. So therefore, a person should look down and pay attention to the shchinne that's present here in the land below. Shenema, the pasuk says, My eyes and my heart should be there towards the land where the Eibushet is all, all life, all my life. And Another one said, of lamayla." When a person davens, his eyes should be looking upward, or the Bach has a different gear. Said, His heart should be upward, and the reason is, We we lift up our hearts. And and our palms to the Eved that's above. So in other words, uh, so as the Mefarshim said the Mashari says after the Chorb Mabayis, so the Shechina lifted up above. So therefore, when you dive in, you have to lift l- l- lift up your hands and lift up your heart to the Eved above. That was their discussion. Ad in between. Asar Rabishmal Barab Rabishma Rabishmal came to them, and Amalo he says to them, "Bemayas what are you discussing?" So they answered in Bitfilla. We're talking about the davening of a person. Where, where does he focus towards the Shekhinah? Here below in the land or up Lamaila? so Rabbi answered them, My father Rabbi said as follows. So on one hand, yes, he should focus with his eyes below here to the Shekhinah, to the presence of the Shekhinah that's in the land below. And but his heart should also be focused upward to the Shekhinah that's above. So the both of the Pesukim that were quoted before should both be fulfilled. That's the in the Gemara according to Rashi and the Marsha. But the Altarebbe brings this Gemara and Lekototera in different places. And the Altarebbe explains that the point here is when a person Davins, on one hand, when you Davin, your heart has to be connected going upward. When a person Davins, he removes himself of the world and he has to connect to the there above. But at the same time though, if a person Davins and totally removes himself from Hudi, and from who the, the physical world that he's in, and he doesn't, yet foc- he doesn't also focus on bringing down and connecting his davening to his Mitseus and to who he is physically in this world, so then his davening won't have the proper effect. The moment you finish davening, so then uh, whatever inspiration you have by the davening doesn't come along with you for the world below. So you have to have in davening on one hand to connect above, but to remain focused and bring it down here below to who you are in this world. That's what the Altarabha is. So that was their discussion. Now, Ada Hachi, in between, also Rabbi LeMesifta. So, apparently, they were sitting there in the yeshiva having this discussion, and Rabbi, their teacher, arrived to the to the yeshiva. So everyone had to go get grab their places to sit down for Rabbi to come and start teaching them. So, ino the So the other two tanoim over here, which who are they? They were Rab, um, Rab Shimin. Rab, uh, uh, who are the other two tanoim over here? Rab and Rabbi Shimon, so they, they were lightweight, so Yisivi b'dukhtayu. they were able to quickly run, and find their place, and sit down, Rabbi Shmol, but Rabbi but Rabbi Shmol, but Rabbi Agav because he was heavy, so, so after everyone already found their place, so he was walking very slowly, between the people, to go, and to, to, go to his place, so one of the students of Rabbi, that was there, his name was Avdon, so the Mepharshim say, his full name was actually Abba Yudin, he's brought in other places, over here the Gemara gives him a short nickname of Avdon, so he commented to Rabbi Shmuel, but Rabbi Isi, that was walking between everybody, trying to find this place, Mi <speaking in> Roshi <Hebrew> Who is this individual here that's walking on the heads of all the people on the holy uh, nation that's sitting already in their place? In other words, when you walk between people that are sitting on the floor, the way they used to sit in those times, it looks like you're walking on their heads. Who is this that's walking here between us? So, I'm Alei, so Rabbi Shmuel answers him, it's me, I came to learn Taita from Rabbi. Amalei, so Avdon said back to him, hogan Rabbi? Are you fit to come and learn taita from Rabbi? So Amalei, Rabbi Shmob, Rabbi Yesi answers back, and if I'm not fit, so what? I still want to learn taita And he gives him the following example. Maisha, Is Moshe fit to learn taita from the Ebeshter himself? But still, he learned taita from the Ebeshter. So, so too, I want to learn taita from Rabbi. Amalei, so Avdon answers him back, ata? And you're Moshe Rabbeinu, that you're coming to learn Taira here? Amalei, Vichi, Raboch, Elekimu. and your teacher, Rabbi, is, is he the Eibishter? So I'm not Moshe Rabbeinu, he's not the Abishur, so I can come and learn Taira from him. So this is a very interesting expression that he said, because he said, Vichi Raboch, your teacher. Really it was his own teacher. But he didn't refer to Rabbi as his own teacher, why not? So Amar Rav Yasef, comments about this and said, Shakle Rabbi, L'metarfeseh. Rabbi over here took what he deserved. Meaning, the Ka'amalei rabach Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Yaisi referred to Rabbi as your teacher. He was having this discussion with Avdan. So he says, it's your teacher and Volayi Rabbi. He didn't say it's my teacher. So as Rashi explained, Rabbi heard this comment that Avdan made to Rabbi Shmuel and That he was like saying, who are you over here? Rabbi should have protested. Rebbe should have said, don't embarrass him. He's a tremendous great Tana. Rabbi did not protest. And because of this, Rebbe got what he deserved, so to speak, that Rabbi Shemov Rebbe Yesi responded and said, it's your Rebbe and not my Rebbe. Now, hachi, in between it's all of this happening here, Asiye Yuvama, LeKamei the Rebbe. A Yuvama arrived there to Rebbe, O'Malei Rebbe Lo'ovdan. So Rabbi says to, to, to his student Avdan, the troublemaker here, Poke Batka, go out and inspect her and see if she's a G'dayla or not. Apparently she was young and it wasn't clear if she's a G'dayla or a Katana. Go check, you have to see the simonim in her body to see if she's a G'dayla or not. Labasa de Nofak so often got up from his place and after he went out to go and see if she's a G'dayla or not, Oma later Bishmal, Surah Bishmal tells Rebbe, this is what my father Rabbi Yaisi said. Regarding the yavam, it says that he has to be a Ish, he has to be a Gadol. But the woman, she could be a Gadol or a Katana, it doesn't matter. So you don't have to go and inspect her to see if she's a Gadol or a Katana. So Rabbi say to Avdan, So come back, you don't have to go and check her if, to see if she's a Gadol or a Katana. Rabbi Yesi, the elder, he already... Paskin, that you don't have to check, and even if she's a katana, it could be done. So now everyone was sitting in their place, and this Avdan that had gone out to go and see an inspector, he was walking back to his place. So Avdan was coming back to his place while everyone was sitting. So Amalei Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yaisi tells Avdan. If you're an individual, that you are needed for where you were going and therefore you're coming back to your place. So you can walk now over here and it looks like you're walking on the heads of people but you can do this if you're needed. But if you're not even needed, as it turns out, you went out to go and inspector, and it wasn't even needed. How are you coming now to walk over here? And it looks like you're walking on the heads of all the people that are sitting over here. Right, so if you're doing a shlichus for Rabbi, so that's okay. But you're not, you, your shlichus was totally unnecessary. So, so don't walk over here between us. So Rabbi agreed to Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yesi. See here, Rabbi stuck up for Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Yesi. And he said to his student, Stop in your place, stand in your place. Don't don't walk between everybody to go to your regular place. and Ebrei's we learned about this incident here. Because Avdan embarrassed Rabbi Shmoh but Rabbi Yesi before in the story here. So what happened at that time is and Avdan. Avdan himself became a Mitzayda. Bonav. He had two sons. They both drowned. Umiya and he had two daughter-in-laws that were Katanas and they married his sons and a Katana that marries without the father marrying them off as we learned many times before in this Masechta they're able to re- reject the whole marriage and two of his daughter-in-laws rejected his sons. This was his punishment. Amar Rav by Yitzchak, Nachman said about this: <laughs> Blessed is the Eved that Avdan got embarrassed over here in this world. So when he comes to the world to come, he'll be able to enter into Gan then, and, and learn. And, and he already got paid his punishment in this world. Amar Abami said, shal berebi from the words of Berebi, which refers to Yaisi uh, that has this. this uh, he's referred to as Berebi. At uh, Nilmoid, we can learn, says, that Katana could do the Chalitza if she comes to the age of Poutais. What's the age of Poutais? Just a second. The age of Poutais is she has a, at least the basic awareness. Rashi says six or seven years old that she could know when, the, when she's, when she's <coughs> making a transaction. She has the awareness to understand what the transaction is. So she can have the kavana for a if, if an adult will tell her what to do. She doesn't have to be already a G'dayla, Bas Mitzvah, which is at the age of 12, but when she comes to the age, if she makes a neder, that the nether will take effect, which is one year before Bas Mitzvah, from 11 years old. But after all of this, even though Rabbi Yesi says, she does not have to be a G'dayla, the Gemara says, "But we're like... The opinion of Rab Meir that was brought in our Mishnah, that a Yuvama does not do the Yibum, or the Chalitza that is, rather, until she has two Sidus and until we know that she's a Gedailah. If we allow her to get married, why don't we allow her to do a Chalitza? The marriage is only with the Rabbonah. This that a, 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 a Katana gets married is a Takonim with the Rabbanan. but this Chalitza here is Menataira. So, Menataira, Meir held that you compare Ish to Isha and you have to be a Gedailah going back to what it said in the Mishnah, if the Chalitza was done in the presence of two people, so there was a peer of tanoim in the Mishnah that said, that even if you did not have two, and if one of them were found to be puzzled, the Chalitza took effect. So he says, we don't pass like them. Why does Avnachman have to say this here? He already said once before, that Chalitza has to be with three individuals, that three as a Besden. says the Gemara Tzrichi, you have to have both of these statements. it marach kamaisa. if it would only say what it says over here, that we don't pasken like this peer, that said that you can't do it with two, hava minah I would think that that's only l'chadchile, but bidiyavid, diyavid with two, the Chalitza took effect. Kamash molon, that's what he has to say over here, Ein over here, in the Mishnah he was talking about even after the fact. Even after the fact when, when it turns out that one of the three were puzzle, the chalitza does not take effect. On the other hand, <laughs> if we would say here that we don't pass like this pier. So then the only pass like tanakama so then I would say Yevet. Here it's talking about it. So with with two it does not take effect. So the whole Mishnah here is discussing a Bediyevet situation. But we're not talking about Lechachila. Maybe I would say, Maybe you should need five. If you remember, in the beginning of the Patek, we had an opinion that said that you need five. So therefore therefore, you have to have the, the other statement that he said, that even Lechachila, three is enough. And the Mishnah brought a story, Mysa Shecholzu. There was a Yavam and Yavama that were together in a prison, and she did the Chalitza in the prison, and there was no one else there. There was no bezn, nothing. And the Gemara there said, the Mishnah that is said, that Rabbi Kiva said that this Chalitza is kosher. Says the Gemara, If the chalitza happened between him and her, miyadina. So, how do we know that they even did this chalitza? They're coming and telling us that this chalitza was done. But how, how can we trust them that they did this chalitza? We don't even have any witnesses to testify about this. There were no edim that were with them inside the prison. There was no bezdan inside the prison to to officiate this chalitza. But there were witnesses that from the outside that saw this now the question was asked about this story this story that it says that there was a chalitza that happened between him and her so Avroi did this story take place between him and her and they were really outside the prison in other words when it says in the Mishnah look in the Mishnah it says that this was they were in the prison so who was in the prison over here the man and the woman is the story they were really outside the prison and they did the Chalitza privately, not because they were in prison, but, <speaking> in <Hebrew> The way to read the Mishnah is, that the story was asked to Rabbi Kiva, after Rabbi Kiva was in prison. As the story is, Rabbi Kiva learned Taira, even after the Romans decreed, that you learned not learn and he was in prison. The question was asked to him, when he was in prison or maybe the way to read the Mishnah is, the man and the woman, they were in prison, but Rav Akiva was not in prison. So it really, I mean, it's, it really depends how you read the Mishnah. It says, the, if you read it with a vav, so then it means these, the man and woman were in prison, but he was not. But if you take out that vav, so you can read the Mishnah, so that's the question. How do you read our Mishnah? So the Gemara says, <laughs> The story that happened between this husband and wife, or not husband and wife, between this Yavam and Yavim, was in prison, <laughs> and the story came to Rabakiva also when he was in the prison. So Taisus over here says that in the Mishnah, you don't see this, but there's a, in Yerushalmi, it says the whole story of how this happened, that this happened with this man and woman in prison, and they came to ask the question to Rebbe Akiva in prison, and they couldn't ask him the question outright, because the whole gzeda was that they shouldn't learn any teda. And there were guards there. So they, they asked it in a way, the Taisus of brings, they came like peddlers, making believe that they have something to sell. And in their words, when they were speaking, they slipped in, asking this question to Rabbi Kiva, whether this halitza is kosher. And then when Rabbi Kiva answered, he also answered in a disguised way, that the halitza is kosher. So this all took place when Rabbi Kiva himself was imprisoned.